This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome to the Big Ed Idea Podcast, a podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week, we bring you a new idea, however big or bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now here's your host, our dad, Ryan Scott. Hello, my Big Ed Idea listeners. Thank you for joining in and taking a, uh, a moment of your time, spending it with me today. Um, this is episode 2.6. Uh, that is season two, episode six of season two. I'm super excited today to get a uh, young man. When he sent in his idea, I was really excited to talk about it. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about his idea. Also excited to talk about what he does for a living. Um, it's, it's nice to get back in the building with another elementary minded guy. Um, as many of you know, um, right now I'm in the high school. I've been in the high school for three years and high school lands a little bit different than elementary world. So I'm super excited to get, um, to talk shop with my man, Jason Blair. Um, Jason Blair hails from Columbus, Ohio. He is a dad. He is a husband. Um, Jason believes that our future depends on the creative minds of our students. Oh, that is so true. Um, he is a 19-year veteran elementary art teacher. Currently, he also serves as the teacher leader in residence at the Columbus Museum of Art and is a co-assistant director on a research project in collaboration with Harvard Graduate School of Education. Project Zero and the Columbus Museum of Art. So without further ado, Jason Blair, thank you, my friend, for joining us on the Big Ed Idea podcast. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I was I was really excited when you you sent your proposal in or you sent your idea in, and then I got to reading your um, bio. Definitely a couple things that really excited me. Like I said, you're an elementary guy. So it's nice to, to get to talk to another elementary minded guy. And on top of that, you're an elementary art teacher, which is like, in my opinion, one of the most fun jobs to have in the elementary. So, um, you know, talk, talk real quick, you know, like uh, what school are you at? Like what ages do you serve? Uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So I'm at an elementary school um, in a suburb right outside of Columbus. Uh, this is... Um, 19th year teaching uh and i teach first through fifth grade okay currently i'm in a brand i'm in a brand new building we just opened it last year so that's been exciting um and getting to know also uh 750 names that's been that's been a little bit of a challenge as i get older it gets a little bit more challenging and obviously the the masks don't help i feel like once we go without the masks, i think it'll be relearning those names again so looking forward to that sure yeah so I'm in a similarly, similarly sized school. Um, our high school has right around 700. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying. My goal is to memorize every kid's name so I can understand that. Like last names, no way. First names, I, I, I'm pretty good. I can get it. But 
uh, yeah, I agree. When this whole mask fiasco is is over, it's going to be time to learn some new names. For sure, yeah. And, and the thing is, too, is it's it's one of the things that, and I know just from listening to the podcast before, Ryan, I know you believe the same thing is relationships are the most important thing. So it all starts with the name. And so that's been, it, it's on the top of my my list. It's just so challenging right now, yeah. but it's so, it's such an, it, it's such a simple thing, but such an important aspect too. Absolutely. It absolutely is. So uh, yeah. So let's go down that vein. You know, we, we talked about relationships a lot, a lot and uh, the name of my game is all about relationships and connection. And so um, the first thing that I'm really, really try to do on this podcast is get to know my guest first um, before we jump into that content. And so what I really like to do is, is kind of talk about what's going on in our lives presently. Um, and so at the Scott household, um, we have been out of school. Let's see. So we record on Sunday. It's a Sunday night right now. We had an ice storm roll through. So we were out of school Thursday, Friday, um, and they just called it for Monday. Um, the little county that, that I teach in only has like, in, and this is no this is serious. They only have like three salt trucks for the entire county. So when like we get half an inch of snow, we are out. And then we got almost uh, almost a half an inch of ice. So, um, yeah, it's not it's not very good here. Uh, so we've been been out of school, but man, that's OK. That's more time with my own kids. So, um, Jason, what's going on at the Blair household? Uh, we're very similar. We were. Uh out on thursday and friday as okay. well um i think we'll, everything's good to go for tomorrow um so just kind of you know playing taking it easy uh currently right now my daughter she had a friend over last night and they were doing some gymna- gymnastics in the room as one would i don't yeah, know right right and her, hurt her foot somehow so she's icing it okay my son is currently uh all sort of hopped up on NFTs. So he is trying to research how to do that, how to make that, how to get that started. Um, And then in the backgrounds idling are the Olympics. Nice. Nice. Uh, So So, I'm a girl dad. Last night, there were four 10 year old girls in my household. Um, So needless to say, there was some squealing being done. Uh, Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's one day we're going to miss this, right? Exactly. Yeah. All right, my friend. So the next thing that I like to do is always, we call it the two for two. And that's just where I get to ask you two questions. Uh, and then we flip them around and you get to ask me two. So I've got a couple questions that I, and I try to, I try to make these new every episode and that's getting hard. Um, but this first one, something people maybe don't know about you that you wish that they did. Mm. And it can go, you can go as deep as you want, or it's something as similar as, you know, what type of shoes you'll, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think one of the things that I wish just people knew in general is just that uh, I'm quiet and I like, but I like to connect sort of on deeper levels. Um, I have a hard time with sort of surface level conversations because they don't really show me much. They don't really tell me much. And my mind is always wired to sort of dig deep. And so that's one thing that that's hard because, you know, when you're just meeting someone for the first time, I really just kind of want to 
get after it and see like what, what makes you tick. Absolutely. And, and that's, but that's hard because it's, it, you don't always show that. And so I guess that's one thing I, I wish people would know is that, um, that I just, I just enjoy really knowing the backstory. I mean, right now we see this going on with the Olympics big time, right? I mean, every, all these athletes have these amazing stories of where they've come from. And that's what resonates with me is, is story. So I think just getting to know people's deeper stories beyond the surface is something that interests me. And, and I wish, I hope people know that about me, I guess. Oh, that's good. No, that's, that's, that's a really good thing to know, um, you know, about your heart that you are probably willing to take the time to get to know somebody. Um, and, and maybe that's why, you know, you ask a lot of questions. Exactly. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I'll tell you for myself, um, I tell you, I wish people understood. I am, I'm, I say this, I'm an extroverted introvert. Um, very introverted as far as like, at home, I just, I'm just sitting around reading books, writing. Um, I don't really go out a whole lot, but I was also a bartender for five years, worked in the service industry. Um, I get along with anybody. I can talk to anybody. I can carry a conversation with anybody, but big crowds kind of freak me out. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm naturally an introvert, but I can make myself be an extrovert if that makes sense. Do you find you have to recharge? Like, do you find if there's too much sort of extroversion that you need to take some, take some time away, like it kind of overwhelms you or yeah. Yeah. That's why. And I think that's why I really love getting up. See, I get up at four every morning and get to the gym by five and it's just me. Well, I work out with another guy now, but we don't, we don't talk. That's kind of my recharge time, Mm -hmm. you know? I imagine it's it, plus you have to like, I would think it'd be hard on the podcast. If there's some days you're just like, I just, I just don't really want to do it. But, but once you're in it, I'm sure it's a totally different feeling. Like you feel good that you're doing it, but I'm sure it's oh. kind of, it stares you down on the calendar and at the, on the clock. Absolutely. That's, that's why I drink a cup of coffee before I get on these things. <laughs> <laughs> but, but once I get in it, I am good. I am good to yeah. go. All right, my friend, would you rather go to the beach or go camping? Mm, both are, are great. Uh, I would say, I would say it depends for me. You're asking this question at at the right time where I'm saying beach, just because I'm looking outside and snow covered streets and everything. So, so yeah, I would say beach right now for me. Okay. How about you? Well, I am staring at a brand new pack that I bought a month ago. That's all loaded up, ready to go. I bought a new pack, a new, um, Osprey, Atmos 65 pack. Um, I bought a couple new pieces of gear that I'm wanting to try. Um, for my 40th birthday, I challenged myself to do a 40 mile hike. So I did that in the fall and I have been itching. Literally, I can't stop thinking about getting outside and getting back on the trail. Um, I did 40, 40 miles with just my dog and I wasn't sure how I would like being out there by myself. Oh, I loved it. So like this time, um, I'm hoping to do like a four day. So oh, yeah. by yourself hiking in and camping and everything. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's awesome. All right. Jason, what uh, questions do you have for me? Well, along those same lines, uh, Ryan, because I know that about you now, um, what <laughs> is one element of the hiking experience that you wish was also a part of our educational system and why? Ooh, Okay. That's actually, this is actually one that I've been doing a lot of uh, discussions or or thinking about. Um, 
so when you are out when you are hiking um it takes so okay let me rewind this i have really been diving deeply deeply into the psychology of the classroom um i am a fervent believer in psychology before pedagogy um just that whole motivation um aspect of the you know the 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 best teachers seem to be able to 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 be the ones that can get the students to you know really excel and believe in themselves and stuff and so I would love to see a program where we took our students hiking out in the woods um like either even if it's a club um something to just show them that they are way more capable than they think um you know, if somebody had told me, you know, Ryan, you're going to walk 20 miles in one day. It's like, no way I can't do 20 miles in one day. Well, I did 20 miles in one day. And I think if you were to pull some students from your classroom that have low levels of hope and you were to say, OK, we're going to go on this 10 mile hike and you're going to carry 25 pounds on your on your back. They would immediately come with no way I can't do that. But. At the end of that hike, they they would be able to turn around and say, oh, I actually did it, you know? So that's what I like it. I like the perseverance through the hard stuff. Um, I, I think that'd be it. That's a good answer. Yeah, that's that's great. And that, that was similar to what I was thinking too, is just the idea of, of the journey itself and yeah. kind of preparing kit, like, like the metaphor of in school, like before you go hiking, you have to gather the materials or supplies you know, if you're getting your boots, you're asking questions of the people, like, are these going to hold up in these different terrains? And you're doing a lot. And then ultimately you have to take the journey on yourself right. and you have to, and, and you're learning along the way, but it's like, and then if you're, you know, hiking, whether it's flat terrain, whether you're hiking mountain, when you're at the end, you feel this sense of pride you've never felt because you did it and you did it based on, you, you know, you got help to get there, but ultimately the last couple of steps were on your own. And I think that's the thing with school is I'd love to see more opportunities for kids to not just a, like a quick activity or experience, but like a sustained journey Yeah. where at the end they're proud because they, they did it. They packed their pack, they researched, they found the map, they did all the things they needed to do to accomplish the goal they went. And I think that would be a, an excellent way that, you know, we could, you know, create that sort of joy and hope that we need yeah. that maybe is missing in education today. You know, I actually saw um, where a principal had given this group of like six or seven boys, this choice of either be suspended or go on like, I want to say it was a 25 mile hike with him and one of his assistant principals or something. Um, and like only a few of them chose the hike, but, um, it was just that kind of restorative piece, um, that look, you know, you guys are, are, are way bigger than this consequence. Let's use this, um, to teach you something. And, and I can only imagine, spending two days on the trail with a group of kids how uh close that 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 adult would would get with those students oh yeah the relationships there would be through the roof for sure through the roof that's right and and needing you know and obviously need to know some skills along the way to help you with with your hike and kind of segues into it let's say that you had all the talent and skills that you wanted in a particular area of, of anything you could think of, what would you create for somebody else and why? So it could be any sort of skills you wanted that you just automatically had them the next day. 
what would you create for someone else and why? Ooh. So I could have any skill that I wanted. Now, does this have to be like a tangible, something tangible that I make for somebody? Nope. Could be anything. Okay. But ultimately it would be for someone else. Yeah. Okay. So um, kind of the world, one of the, the, the things that my mind has really been on lately, um, you know, I'm in the middle of writing my first book, which is all about um, something called the hope coefficient which is, it's just my way of talking about the hope scale. Um, there's actually a hope scale out there. And what they're finding is, is people that have higher hope scores um, outperform on almost every other metric, every metric, anybody else that has lower scores of hope. And what they're also learning is that hope is malleable, that you can teach it. Um, there are very specific things that you can teach somebody to be more hopeful. Um, they are finding like in the medical field, when they, when they uh, try to build this culture of hope, um, the, the medical outcomes are significantly higher. Um, and so if I was to be able to create anything, it would be a, and, and I hate to say curriculum because sometimes curriculum has a bad connotation, but um, a program. So if I, I, I would want to create a program that I could drop on elementary schools. And, and I'm saying elementary because elementary is kind of like the foundational level um, of our students. And in my opinion, elementary should do a way better job of teaching the SEL. Um, so that way everything else can happen later. Um, but I would love to create a program for our students and if I was to pick a group of students, particularly our students that come from poverty, because um, they typically have a lower hope score, they also um, suffer from something that I'm calling learned hopelessness, not learned helplessness. Um, so a program that they could go through, and so we could increase their levels of hope, which then would increase their intrinsic motivation and by increasing their intrinsic motivation, I, you know, I, I would imagine all other academic outcomes would increase. So that's what I do. Well, I would, I would, I would take that program for sure. So <laughs> if you get that done the next week or so, well, no. who knows? Um, yeah, I, exactly. Yeah. I, um, I thought, uh, just smaller circle of my family. And, and I thought um, I did kind of go more, more tangible, I guess. One thing would be if I could be a chef and if I could be a chef, I would make a meal for my mom every day of the year because she, not only for what she's done for our family, but um, we're actually fortunate enough that she doesn't live very far away. And, and every oh, Thursday she makes us a meal and oh, we cool. go over and pick it up. And so it's, it's a really nice gesture, but I would love to be able to do that back from her. Unfortunately, I'm not skilled as a chef, um, but that would be one thing. And then the other thing for my kids, my grandfather was very skilled. He was a, he was a physician, but as, after he retired, he was also a very skilled woodworker and okay. he made all this furniture that we have. And so I would love to be able to learn that craft of being a woodworker, to be able to create um, artifacts and furniture for my kids, to be able to have generational and pass it down. My grandpa um, did too. It's, it's such a neat thing to have. Like we have our whole house, you know, I could point to furniture that, that my yes. grandfather made and it's just, it's a special, it's, it's special. 
did he sign it too? He did. Yeah. He had a little like wood stamp that he was able to, to sign mine his did, name in. Mine did too. And I was actually uh, today looking at a couple pieces cause he's been, he's been gone about five years, I think. Um, so it's, yeah, it's really cool to be able to look at that piece of furniture and see his name. And so, yeah, that would, that'd be awesome. I wish I could do that. Yeah, for sure. All right, Jason, let's, uh, let's start gravitating towards this field of education. Um, you know, the name of the game of this podcast is all about the big ed idea. Um, and its stated purpose is what I, I really try hard to bring people on here that have a vision so that hopefully we can connect that person with somebody out in social media land and we can get this, you know, ball of, of momentum off the ground, rolling, whatever, whatever you say. Um, but before we can talk about the idea, we have to talk about what is the problem um, that that idea kind of helps to alleviate, solve, lessen, whatever. Um, so, Jason, what do you see as a problem in ed that your idea hopes to tackle? Well, I think one of the challenges we have is that we're, I think, too focused on isolated standards um, and compartmentalized disciplines and at every level, whether it's, you know, kindergarten, elementary school, all the way up through middle school and high school. Uh, and I think that the reality is that's not helping our kids because what we know is that they're not going to go into a field like that. And I think what the world is showing us right now is that we need more generalists as thinkers, as, as opposed to specialists. And we still have a school system that's kind of forcing our kids to specialize and to make that sort of choice early on. And I think that's problematic um, because when we're living in a world where these kids are going to have 25 and 30 jobs and things are changing constantly in order for them to be nimble and agile, we need them to be creative thinkers. So from, from my perspective, I, I just think that we're, our system is set up for, you know, we've, we've heard about it many times before, obviously like an industrialized nation and some things still haven't changed for the last hundred years of how we're actually organized. And I think a big, problem is there is just how compartmentalized we are in our our school system and what might it be like if we focused on thinking dispositions as opposed to isolated courses contents and standards i i i like what you're what you're saying there um i think it makes a lot of sense definitely we are still holding on to this um lack of a better word fordism approach to education where you know like you said it's an assembly line and, you know, the kids hop on at kindergarten, hop off at seniors, and they're supposed to hop into a job. Um, but yeah, I do. I, I could get behind that. So, Jason, if you think we are way too uh, specific, what is your idea that you hope to bring to the table? I think it's it kind of goes in a lot of different directions. And I was kind of thinking about it in three layers, because I think the other thing that's hard in education is we try to solve any, everything in a sort of binary way and make it real simplistic. Yeah. And education is probably the most complex interconnected web of a, of a system that we've, you know, could possibly find, sure. you know, one, one thing sets off a chain of events in other areas. And yet policymakers sometimes only focus on thinking like, Oh, well, this one tweak will fix it. And it just does not. And so I was thinking about it in, in layers of sort of a teacher district and community approach. And, um, from a teacher perspective, I think that one of the big things is to, is to just do that, is to focus on thinking dispositions. So I outline it as, you know, thinking like an artist, thinking yes. like a designer, absolutely, and thinking, and thinking like a change agent. So thinking in those three ways 
and, and, and the dispositions that make that up. So if I'm thinking like an artist, I'm engaging my curiosity. Yeah. Um, I, I'm engaging, I'm engaging my um, imagination. I'm, I'm finding ways to harness my emotional intellect in different ways. I'm being playful. I'm experimenting. I'm doing all those things that we're going to need these kids to do. And, but in a meaningful way, because the idea of kind of getting at this idea of getting away from sort of isolated content and standards is that they would instead focus on either a big idea or a big question, something that would transcend all disciplines, because then you start bringing a seat at the table for everybody. Because when we focus just on, on compartmentalized ideas, there's some people that like when I was in school, anything that had the word math in front of it, I checked out. I was like, I'm not going to get this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to contribute anything. I, I can't think like that. But if it was something like, you know, how, what does communication look like in the 21st century with numbers and equations? Or what does communication look like in the 21st century using the design process? Something about communication that, that transcends all disciplines, I could get behind. And all of a sudden, I now have a seat at the table because I can use my creative thinking to kind of explore that same question. But we're still sprinkling in those standards along the way. But it's for there's, there's a higher purpose and intent and meaning behind the journey. It's not just memorize this, test it let's move on from it. And I think the reality is kids today are way too smart for that. They've figured out this game. And the reason why I think the reason why we're having a lack of engagement right now is because they just know that what we're doing is not relevant. And they're seeing, they're seeing it every day play out and the news they're seeing everywhere on social media. And I think what it's going to take is us as teachers to be change agents to say, okay, then we've got to start changing the way we're going to approach because we can't wait for other things to get behind it because the reality is that this is our society and our world we're talking about, and we're not preparing these kids for it because we're still hyper-focusing on these individual content that, that at the end of the day, it's in, it's in our phone. Yeah. Like it, all the stuff that we're, we're teaching is in our phone. What, what, what's not in our phone is how do you use that and apply it in meaningful ways? How do you connect and transfer knowledge from different disciplines? And it's not about, you know, the whole idea of it's not about what you know, it's about what you do with it. I think that's really important. And that's kind of, this idea on a teacher level of how you might go about that. Yeah, that's the, the, exactly what I have been having a lot of conversations with uh, folks at my school about. I really challenge, you know, our history teacher. You're not history. You're not teaching history. You're teaching kids to think like a historian. Um, our science teacher. You're not teaching science. You're not teaching um, chemistry. You're teaching your kids to think like a chemist. And uh, no, I completely get behind what you're saying. Um, in fact, you know. I think truly, if we were to be honest, we could probably open up our standards and cut half of the, for lack of a better word, the, the knowledge items. So, and I tell, our, tell my teachers this all the time, if the kid can Google it, it doesn't need to be taught. Instead, like you're telling me, Jason, come up with a problem, come up with a, um, you know, a, a, maybe a community problem and then turn it over to the kids. And then guess what? The kids will learn that stuff along the way. It doesn't have right. to be, it doesn't have to be, okay, we're going to, today we're going to sit down and learn about the industrial revolution from 1864 to 1920, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't need to be like that. What you're right. saying is let's think like the historian and let's pull this up and then let's work backwards. So I love that. Yeah. And I think the idea of, you know, thinking like a designer and a change agent is all about the designer is getting kids to become problem finders. Because again, we have a surplus of problems in our world, but we have to be able to find them because sometimes we focus all of our energy on the wrong problem. 
Um, so I think getting the kids to become problem finders is huge. And then thinking like a change agent is all about finding that agency. You know, kids want to, kids want to make an impact. They we're, we're, why we're hardwired to, to yeah. help. Yeah. And again, I think if we don't provide opportunities for students to have an audience or have, um, sort of a, a real impact, they can see through that. And, and, you know, if I was thinking about it, like from a math perspective, right, like a high school, let's say it's a middle school, high school math. Um, what if instead of, you know, starting off with the specific, um, you know, equations and things like that, what if I use like the question focus technique, which is out of the right question Institute, which is the idea is you would maybe stick a statement in the middle of some roll paper that you, that you thought would generate some questions. So like, if I said, um, how do numbers and data construct our identity? Put that in the middle of a piece of paper. And then for the next 10, 15 minutes, I had the kid generate as many questions as they could regarding that statement. And then one, I'm going to notice from those questions where I can go with this. Two, the kids are going to be the driver because these are genuine questions that are curious from them. But if I start breaking it down, I'm like, all right, well, from an artist's perspective, how might I think about that? Well, maybe I want us to take a noticing stroll around the school and see where I'm noticing numbers and data show up on our everyday surroundings. Yeah. You know, maybe it's like the number of likes on social media. Maybe it's the um, maybe it's the way the seating in a lunchroom in a cafeteria. I'm just paying attention to sort of these what I would call social numbers in that sense and exploring them because you could you could break it down. You could have the kids break it down like what are some social numbers, economical mm-hmm. numbers, environmental numbers, political numbers. Um, and so and then maybe the end of that asking like uh, an artist thinking like an artist is you're creating a visual metaphor that represents the impact of numbers on our identity. But if I then back it up to as a designer, I might think of it. Uh, focused on our collective identity and use the human human centered design process. Maybe I'm going to develop a community town meeting in our school. Well, then I got to use numbers to help with the logistics, survey the interests of what the town meeting might look like, um, use data to measure town meeting engagement. And then the last one is like, if I'm talking about a change agent, maybe there I go, Ryan, to what you're talking about, focused on a community identity, focused on our community identity and find a problem that impacts those outside of my circle of influence. So maybe I'm thinking about creating a community day to get people in my community to come together and, and tell stories. So again, I want to create a deeper sense of belonging, but I'm using numbers and data to do that. So I might use numbers to organize the event, the logistics, ordering the materials, a budget, space rental. It's all those things. So it's taking a discipline like math, but making it into a real practical way and sure. you're turning it over to the students. And as a teacher, I'm still sprinkling in equations and numbers and, and, and things that I need that they need to know along the way. But it's, it's as they go through it and all of a sudden it becomes run of like, oh, now, Mr. Scott, I know why I need this because That's I'm right. trying to figure out this budget. And now you're going to pay attention. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Jason, you had talked about, you said, so you were looking at this idea from the teacher standpoint, from the, was the next one, you're the leader? District level. District like a level. district level. Yeah. So I think one of the things I'm thinking about there is just, you know, we have a lot of, you know, in our, in our central, central offices across the country, we have, you know, chief academic officers, directors of this and that. And it makes me think that what if instead of directors and chiefs, we had agents of insert the blank. So agents of wonder, agents of interconnectedness, agents of curiosity. Oh, I like um, that. And specifically like an agent of wonder and imagination. And what would that role be? The role would be to exercise creative dispositions for our faculty to help, break patterns of thinking that are, that are traditionally held yeah. to challenge the status quo with purpose, intent, meaning. Um, and, and ultimately I think it would just, it would cultivate a culture of creativity as if you had an agent of wonder whose sole role was to continue to push us forward in ways that we didn't imagine and, and thinking 
not just outside the box, but more actually within the box, because the more we, the more we identify what our parameters are yeah. and, and identify where the edges are, then we can start to free up of how we're going to work within those edges. A buddy of mine, um, David Moss, um, he is a, and, and I think I got his first name wrong, Mr. Moss. Uh, he's a principal out in Virginia and he just got a um, position. He's a director of innovation for his mm -hmm. district, which sounds very similar to this agent of wonder, but I love mm -hmm. that idea. Um, I think sometimes we try to make education too business-like. And so like, like let's put a little bit of the magic back into, back into it. So I, I like that idea. Well, and I think that's the thing too, is like you said, I mean, we, we had a, um, a chief innovation officer for a while. And the thing about, you know, creative thinking and creativity and wonder and imagination is they're, they're a bit of an enigma and people don't really want to touch them because you can't assess them easily. Sure. And so we like to say innovation because it's science backed, yeah. whereas you don't have innovation unless you have imagination and wonder. And so again, we're skipping over the most important part. So we still wonder why when we have our, when our innovators are just kind of recycling ideas that have already been done, it's because we've skipped over the whole idea of how do you look at the world with a wondrous eye? How do you take a step back? Because, you know, think about this idea of in our schools, our schools are hyper-focused on time. And one of the things that a creative mind needs is time to step back. Yeah. You know, I know, Ryan, you've talked about in your class where you've had moments where there's sort of a press the play and you kind of do a random dance party. Yeah, that's right. When you're at the elementary levels. And I think that's so important because in school, it's like, let me explain a concept. What questions do you have? Anybody? Anybody? Yep. It's like, On where the was day. the time? Yeah. Where was the time to step, to go home, take a walk, play with the dog. And all of a sudden be like, oh my gosh, I have these questions now. I have these new insights. And then you come back to school the next day and you're like, okay, next chapter in the book, we're moving on. And I think that's the idea of what an agent of wonder would be is somebody who to, to slow things down, to recognize that in order for us to hear the stories, we have to stop and pay attention because otherwise we're moving at this breakneck speed just because it's, it's all about the looks, right? It's all about what I, you know, from a district standpoint, we tweet out GPAs and grade scores and all these accolades, but we don't tweet out the stories of the everyday or the stories of the kids that make the big strides that maybe don't show up on a standardized test, but show up in the classroom or show up in the neighborhood or show up in a friendship circle. So I think this idea of you know, an agent of wonder is somebody who would, who would help us illuminate the creative capacities that we need and not just skip over them as sort of fluff or something cute. Um, because the reality is in order for us to have a world or in order for us to prepare these students for a world that doesn't exist, the first number one primary, most essential capacity they need is to be able to imagine and wonder. Sure. No, you're exactly right. And, and um, I say it all the time, but if our school system looks like the one that you and I attended, uh, something's wrong because the world that you and I lived in as kids is long gone. Um, and, and I don't, a guy that, that does a really good job of looking forward. Um, his name is Ted Dintersmith. You may know who he is. Um, yep. he was for anybody out there, he was president Barack Obama's appointee to the UN education council. I think, um, he's written some really kick-ass couple amazing books um first one what let's see most likely to succeed and then his most recent one is what school could be um, and he talks a lot about the fact of um 
machine intelligence and the fact that machine intelligence is going to take, it's, it's like 30% of the job, 40% of the jobs that are the current jobs right now are going to be obsolete within the next 20 to 30 years. So I think a lot of what Jason is saying is um, any job that a computer can take is going to take. So the jobs that are left are going to be those jobs that involve your heart, those jobs that involve imagination. It's going to be those, those type of jobs. Um, so yeah, I couldn't, could not agree with you more. Yeah. And I think that there, um, two other, uh, other authors are add to that right now is Joel Mehta and Sarah Fine, who did, uh, who wrote, wrote a book called in search of deeper, uh, deeper learning. And their premise was they went out and kind of looked at a thousand schools in search of deeper learning. And sadly, they said they didn't find very much, but where they did find it was on the periphery, usually in sporting circles, in the drama, um, in the arts, uh, because they were, they were practical. They were, they, um, they were communal. They were, they engaged the whole sort of mind, the whole body. Uh, There were just so many aspects of it that typically aren't a part of the school day. And I think that's, that's, you know, a key point. And, and the idea of, you know, sort of a gig economy and, you know, what's happening with metaverse and things like that, it takes the person with the imagination to be able to see the connections other people miss. And that's what becomes crucial is if we don't have a roadmap anymore, I've got to have the imagination to chart the path on my own. And we need to make sure we prepare these kids that they're able to do that. And I think that kind of goes to this, that third layer that I was, I was talking about was the community level too. I think that, um, one of the challenges we have as educators are we need to help shift the conversation that takes place in the community because for most, the most information that we usually give out as the district on a district wide level is going to be in the form of rankings. What is our district rank? What are our test scores? U.S. News and World Report for high schools. Right. And, and then that's it. And so I think what we know is teaching and learning in the 21st century has drastically changed but we as educators need to get out there and start holding conversations and engaging the community in conversations about thinking um not not necessarily solely about you know what do we need to, to make sure they get into college and the test scores but what do we need to do to make sure that they're a critical and creative thinker and so i think that's because ultimately we want to we want to talk about is that it's these creative dispositions that should be the focus across our globe and that, you know, like we said, contents on our phones, but thinking, making, connecting, those all lie deep within us. Yep. And it's the creative thinkers that are flexible and agile. Uh, they're the ones who are going to, who are going to kind of take over. And, and the ones, you know, the creative thinkers are the ones who are able to harness their emotions in a way that increases awareness and understanding and our perspective of others. Um, they challenge the status quo, right? They help our, our they help us propel forward. and. I think that ultimately it's, it's, it's our, it's our job also to help find a way to curate those conversations in our community, not just within our buildings and with our students and with our staffs, but also with a larger community at home. But, you know, it goes back to Reggio Emilia, you know, yeah. the idea of it takes a village. And I That's think right. that somewhere along the way, we've kind of lost sight of that. Absolutely and we need lost. to get back to that, that, that that's, that's how we're going to succeed is if we're all locking arms together and, and, you know, racing up that hill towards success as a team rather than individually and isolated. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think um, school has lost a little bit of that altruism. 
Um, you know, that the purpose of education is to make your community better, not to just get kids into college. Um, again, Mr. Dentersmith says that schools do a really good job of preparing kids for the assessments, but a very, very bad job of preparing kids to actually be successful in college or after high school. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I definitely love that idea of getting the community involved. Um, you had also touched a little bit, um, in your idea about the civics, the, the you know, the fact of getting our kids more civically involved, um, which definitely, definitely, definitely needs to be done. So, um, if you want, if you would touch on that for a second. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's, so I'm, I'm working with the Columbus Museum of Art and Harvard's Project Zero on a three-year research project called Cultivating Creative and Civic Capacities. And so there's a group of teachers uh, around the Columbus region that are going on this journey together. And it's been so amazing on so many levels. One, just, you know, a professional development experience beyond belief that uh, we're able to work with teams. And, and the thing that's interesting about it is it's, it's teachers from across districts, from across grade levels and disciplines, um, representing a, a wide array of diversity among students and, and staffs. And the ultimate goal is, is what happens at the intersection of creativity and, civ and the civic. And yeah. one of the things we're, we're kind of coming out is coming up with, you know, one, a framework right now, um, which at the heart of that are these four eyes and the eyes are uh, imagination, um, investigation, interconnectedness and influence. And the goal is how do we harness the power of all four of those towards a more fair, beautiful and sustainable world. And, you know, it's not always, the civic is not always a gigantic ask, right? It's not always like a, oh, we're going to create a fundraiser for X, Y, and Z. The civic is, is as simple as the, the, um, the culture that's within our building. How, how do we react to one another? How, do we, how are we able to engage in perspective-taking experiences to understand the person to the left and the right of us? Um, how are we able to help students not only harness their creative and civic capacities, but put them in a way that actually puts them as an agent of change, that they are able to step up and step out um, to make a difference in some way, to help, like you said, to help the community, to help the community, whether that's big or small, whether that's as small as their classroom, their family, or as large as the, the city where they're coming from, or on a global perspective, yeah. but just helping students understand that they have the power to make a difference um, on whatever level they want, but not to be passive consumers of a curriculum, but active participants in shaping the, in shaping the world that, that they want and that our world needs. It's almost like you're trying to change the world. <laughs> I mean, which is not a bad thing, which I think yeah. is an amazing thing. And, and I said that tongue in cheek, just because um, we get so focused sometimes on the, the content information. And, and I, I think we spend way too much time on the content and not enough time on how that actually applies to life and how it applies to competencies, how that applies to, like you're saying, creating a better community. Because um, I, I, I mean, I just feel in my heart 
a couple things. Kids want to behave. Kids want to do well in school. And the third thing, I really believe kids want to make a difference. Um, cause I think, cause I think that's in everybody. Um, and sometimes we take that last piece off of the table. Um, because like you said, it can't be assessed. Right. And I, and I think, you know, to your point too, is that at the end of the day, the, you know, the civic interactions, we have everything. It, it's always about helping somebody else, helping ourselves, helping other people. Um, even if it's as simple as putting a smile on somebody else's face. And I think that my hope grows when I see one person help another. Sure. As simple as that is throughout the day. One of the things that I always ask my kids, my own, my own personal kids, um, when they were little was I asked them two questions every day. I said, what did you make with your hands today? And who'd you make smile today? Because to me, I thought those are the most important things. I want them to be engaging in the physical world, to be making something to put out in the world. And I also want them at the very end of the day to make somebody smile. I didn't ask them what the grades were. I didn't ask them all those things because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's about making those connections. And I think that when we're hyper-focused on content and, and, you know, and I, I think you would agree with the same thing. It's, it's about finding a balance, but right now we don't have a balance. It's very much skewed towards content, but if we can find that balance, what happens is I believe is that we, we find that joy. We find that hope because kids are creating and learning for purpose, for intent. They have passion that's being, that's driving their learning. Um, and, and that's what, that's what we want. I mean, I think that we've lost sight of that. And, And I think that on some level, we're seeing that play out across the world is that we have a lack of empathy across the world because we've been so hyper-focused on turning out people who can take these tests, but we haven't really paid much attention to how we interact with each other or how we understand that when we're in different, when we're in a collective group, we're going to have to deal with different perspectives. And we have to think about what does it mean to have a pedagogy of listening in our classrooms and in our world? And I think those are the things that, that we've rushed through and we've said, put that in the back burner because right now we've got to focus on getting these data test points and rankings um, to make sure we can move along. But in the grand scheme of things, I mean, all the research shows that those things, you know, some of the content that kids learn within two years, they've forgotten all of it. I mean, yeah. the research backs that up. Yeah. And so, but the idea is that you can learn whatever you forgot in the same amount of time. So like they forgot it, but they can relearn it really quick. So then what about focusing on those dispositions then? What about focusing on, how do, we, how do we maintain our kids to be curious and constantly wonder about the world? How do we get them to value asking questions over seeking answers? How do we get them to engage in imagination and think that it's, it's okay to wonder, it's okay to step back from your assignment to go dance because you might be processing that information in a different way that maybe doesn't look the way teachers think of as engagement, but that kid is highly engaged. So it, it okay. So I'm going to start rounding out this conversation because I think we're at a really good spot because I think you have you have definitely you've definitely verbalized um, something that I'm I feel very strongly about um, we have been hyper focused on creating good test takers that we have lost the sight of making good people of creating good, citizens of creating good neighbors um we've taken the humanism out of education 
Um, I think definitely you will understand this as an elementary art teacher. When we started to take all of those arts away and off the table, um, you know, um, I, I talk to our English teacher, our English teachers all the time at our high school about why I love high school ELA so much. It's not about reading the book and it's not about learning the content. It's about seeing the world through those books. Um, and, and we, we've definitely forgot the beauty of education. And, and in my mind, the, the beauty of education is being able to take that subject and make it bigger than just that school, if that makes sense. I love, I love the way you say that beauty of edu the beauty of education. Exactly right. And, and yeah, it is, it's taking that, taking that discipline and, and making it real and, and making, you know, one of the things that I, I like to think a lot about is this human centered education, you know, yeah. to your point is how do we make sure that learning always has an eye on how does it cultivate relationships with the people around us? Because at the end of the day, all of our content standards can be traced back to human interaction. Yep. Whether it's a science standard, whatever, it ultimately will go back to some sort of human impact. Well, and so, we, so you're right. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. We, we have lost sight of that some, sometimes, but um, I do think that that is a, that is a way for us to chart. That's a, a North star for us to, to kind of come back and, and help rethink uh, what education can and should be. Absolutely, man. Well, Jason, um, I'm going to wind us down. It has been a really good time this evening. Um, talking about something that I'm, I'm definitely passionate about. So, you know, I don't know what I would do um, if, if I had to have an hour conversation on, you know, why um, teaching the Pythagorean theorem. I, I don't, I don't think I could do that. Um, but talk to us, tell, tell me and tell our listeners out there. So somebody surely has listened to this episode and they want to reach out to you because they have some questions. Um, maybe they, they just, you know, that maybe they just want to talk to you. Um, how can folks get a hold of you, Jason? Yes. Uh, so on Twitter, that's really the only social media that I'll do. I am at underscore Jason Blair. And I have a website where I have done some consulting work through. Um, and that is growcreativethinkers.com. And on there, you can find some articles and resources and email as well to get in touch with me. I'm happy to, to talk and, and problem, problem, shoot problems together and, and kind of work through anything. I, I think the, as you found Ryan is the more we come together as educators, uh, the more, the farther we go, I think. And I think I love being able to use professional development through podcasts and everything, because I think there's, there's such a wealth of talent out there um, that we now have access to. And I'm so grateful for that. So I'm happy to talk with anybody, anytime about anything education related. Or maybe you just want to talk to him about Ohio, you know, the cool things that are going on in Ohio. Always happy to do that as well. <laughs> All right. So for my listeners, um, as always, as I love to do, listen, somebody out there, one of you that are listening right now has an idea that's floating around in their head. Um, maybe an idea that you just think is too crazy for the world of education. Well, if you have one of those ideas, let me know, because I want to get you on this show. Um, this show is a safe space for all those crazy people out there that think that they have an idea that can change the world of or through education. Um, you know, I have been in buildings 
where those crazy ideas aren't always, uh, always, uh, what's the word, welcomed. Well, this is a space for those crazy ideas. So ladies, gentlemen, if you have an idea or if you know someone that's got an idea that would make a great episode, please look me up. Um, you can sh- you can shoot me a tweet at Twitter. Um, let's see, it's Ryan C. Scott 1981. I am on Instagram at Ryan Scott 1981. Or you can look me up on Facebook. Just look up Ryan Scott. I'm the guy with the four daughters. Um, so it has been an amazing night, Jason. I appreciate it very much. Um, this is probably one of the coolest things I've done all weekend. So thank you for being on the Big Ed Idea podcast. Thank you, Ryan. I I could talk with you for ages. I loved it. Thank you. All right. Well, next time um, we'll meet in the middle and uh, I'll bring some beers. Sounds like a plan. All right, man. All right. Big Ed Idea listeners, thank you so very much for joining us on episode 2.6 with Jason Blair. Have a wonderful evening. And like my big John Janoski, that was my grandpa. That was the guy that made all the wood stuff. Like he always told me, Ryan, I'll see you in the funny paper. Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion, and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper.